One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I absolutely waxed lyrical because I just thought it was, I thought it was so fast, so capable. And I thought actually it's quite a cool thing, but within half an hour of driving it, you're like, oh, bollocks, I wish I was in a 911. He also said to me, I skidded that car with you, don't you remember it? I went, no, I don't. Hello, and welcome to the Collecting Addicts podcast. Episode number 51, T.S. Eliot said that April is the cruelest month. He's completely wrong. January into February is because most of you who are self-employed have had a tax return and a VAT return, and we're here to make your life better. The addicts will cheer you up. Uh, Manish isn't here at the moment because he's just dropping his kid off at school. Um, And as all addicts have always said, um, dogs and children come before podcasts in that order. Yes. Um, So we're going to start off with the thorny issue of electric vehicles and Porsche's strategy. I'm going to throw this to the floor with one statement. I've been a bit impish overnight on the old Instagram because I've got jet lag. I view Porsche as the company that always gets it right. Its strategies are the ones that every other car company, I think, envies. I'm not sure it's got EVs right um, because it's announced a new Taycan, one I think there are lots of unsold old Taycans. The McCann's gone full electric at a time when I think people quite like McCann's with internal combustion engines. So has Porsche got it wrong, or is Porsche so far ahead of the curve, we're going to be proved wrong? Chris Cooper? Um, no, or yes, or maybe. <laughs> oh, great. So no, because it has to. I mean, there's some boring legislation about the number of vehicles manufacturers have to sell each year that EV. So even though last year, the 2030 date in all of our minds went to 2035, and we thought, oh, that's fine. I don't need to worry. If you look at the fine print, well, not so fine print, in 2030, manufacturers still have to sell 80% EVs in the UK. Full EVs. Full EVs, yeah. So not much has changed. So in that respect, they've got, to, they've got to get cracking now because it's not that far away. So they've got to do something. But yes, they have gone too soon because nobody wants them. So as a man, and- but there are two men here on this podcast that have owned Taycans. Yes. Did the experience push back your ability to fully engage with EVs? 100%. But not for me. Oh, okay. So what's the difference for you then, Chris? Uh, I actually really liked it. 
Um, there were things it did that other cars didn't. Um, if you understood its use case, sorry to use that jargony term, then it would fit in. And there were some parts of it. So I'm, there's a new Taycan being announced this week, isn't there? Yeah, they've made it. It went out. The, the photos came out overnight. All right. Okay. So I talked to them yesterday. So I thought it was probably going to be today. It's got loads more range. Yeah. How much uh, more? Oh, yeah. so real world. So real world, my Taycan Turbo S did about 220 miles. This one should do just over 300 real world. Oh, Manage has arrived 21 minutes early. So punctual. Manage, we're just discussing whether Porsche has gone too early on the full EV commitment because the new Taycan was released yesterday, well, overnight. And you understand that um, many have not been sold. Is that the... Uh... Yes. I got driven yeah. home yesterday by a friend. It wasn't a long drive. Car, you know, maybe two miles in central London. So 15 minutes in the car in his new Taycan. Not obviously the new, new Taycan, but the old new Taycan. He loves it. And I have to say, I really enjoyed the experience. It just whispered mm. through the streets of central London. He, I mean, he loves that car. It's his first ever electric car. Um, he wasn't tempted, you know, in the past by uh, or by any of the others. They were umming and eyeing about a mini, I think, as a family. But uh, in the end, he just loves this. He loves size wise. I couldn't believe how big it is inside. You can get get cricket bags in. You can get boys in. It's a great car. Okay, this this is Chris. You were talking about the range. How confident do you think we can be on new world range? So Porsche's. The rule of thumb I have, having looked at this stuff a lot, is that any manufacturer's WLTP claims, you basically got to take about 60% of it for so real world. Porsche's claiming from the press. Porsche was more than that. 35% increase uh, in range. Yeah. So, so the best model gives you 421 miles. Yeah, so I reckon you'll get 75%. Porsche's 75% or a little bit more, I think, based on a little bit of it. Yeah. And for me, the most the, the the quotation that is the most meaningless: all Taycan variants can charge from ten percent, eighty percent state of charge in eighteen minutes. If you've got one of those three phase things that's got enough to, that's come straight off of the national grid, maybe. But I just don't think anyone anyone has the ability to do that really. Well, you need one of the Ionity or GridServe three hundred and fifty kilowatt chargers to do that. Sorry, I'm going to yeah. sound very nasal at this point, um, but they do. I, I mean, I. It's not for everyone. And I, the reason I said yes, no, maybe have they gone too soon is, I mean, I think there is a debate to say, is is bulk mass EV ever going to be the answer? And, you know, will, you know, with my Most Sport UK hat on, talk about this a bit, a bit later on, um, we are very committed to an eclectic future rather than just an electric future. See what I did there? Um, and sustainable fuels is a big part of that big part of that yeah and i so, think uh, akio toyoda mr toyoda himself said i don't think evs will ever be more than 30 percent of the future car park and so if you believe that then yes Toy porsche has gone too soon the way we they haven't are. got to we haven't got to the full era of limited edition fully electric cars yet which will be interesting to see the consumer's relationship with those cars. You know, take a GT3 RS. We always know yeah. they're sold out. You can't get one waiting list premiums, and they're always exist at premiums. And when we get into the sort of affordable sports car that's electric, 
that's perhaps limited. It'll be interesting to see how they're received. Was, his, uh, was Toyota's 30%? Sorry, Chris, I just going to... The Toyota 30%, does he mean of anything out on the road? So including things like trucks, or does he actually mean cars? I think he means cars. Right. He means cars, yeah. Wow. We, we have lots of limited edition electric sports cars. They're limited because no one's buying them, <laughs> uh, I'm afraid to say. I come across as a terrible, uh, grumpy anti-EV person. I'm not. I think, you know, manager's example of you know, the urbanite that cruises around in their beautiful Porsche because they can charge freely and they don't, don't do many miles is great. But in, in the future that I think most car makers envisage, that person shouldn't own a car. They should be they should be using public transport or zipping around on some special um, object that might not have been invented yet. The motor car tends to be people that cover great distances or should be in the future. And the EV isn't very good at that. Uh, and I have to clarify the fact that wh when I first tested the Taycan Turbo for, for a TV show, I absolutely waxed lyrical because I just thought it was, I thought it was so fast, so capable, yeah. but it, it's great at all the shit that you don't really need. You know, it's, it's a, it's a very strange vehicle because it's incredibly, it's much faster than you need. It'll yeah. go, it'll go sideways, which is great for me, but I'm not sure it's that useful for most of the population to buy one. But it, but in in the in the core criteria of being a car, it it comes it falls short somehow. Yeah, I, I mean I mean I I probably am the most positive here of it because and I've had an interesting time with it. But if you'd ask me the question, you can have one car, you can have and this is first world problems. You can have a Panamera with a turbo petrol engine in it, or you can have a Tiger. Well, I'd have the Panamera. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's all about charging, isn't it? It's fair to say that the Taycan was quite decent to drive. I didn't mind yeah. driving. I mean, it does feel slightly unenjoyable. If you're into cars, and we're probably a very much a minority, aren't we, that we actually really, really, really enjoy driving. You know, I, I wish I lived further away from my office just as though I had a longer drive to get it. So <laughs> I think that's quite, that's quite niche, isn't it? But... The charging thing was just a bit of a nightmare, really. And I've got yeah. a, a Ponzi house with a cable that I can just go home and plug it in. But if you want to actually go anywhere longer than 150 miles and come back, you don't want to wait around for an hour or two, do you, in some yeah. shit yeah. station? And the uncertainty of will the charger be working? Will it have full power? Will it be dribbling along because everybody's watching who wants to be a millionaire and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. There's something else about the Taycan and it, and Porsche's current generation of vehicles in the cabin. And Edward and I experienced the new Cayenne in Australia. They lent us one. I have to say, dead impressive because they put a V8 back in it. They've gone backwards. Yeah. I think I think it's a bit of a sign. Porsche had gone for all these V6s and the engineers have gone, nope, we want a V8 in this bad boy. Yeah, they were horrible. You start it up, it gives this massive V8 raft, burble. There's no hybridity in sight. But there's one thing missing. And it, it reminds me of a phrase that the great Henry Brofeld said, of, he was describing Headingley as a test ground because it doesn't have a pavilion in the conventional sense. He said, it's like a living room without a fireplace. Um, and the the Taycan and all these modern Porsches don't have a cowl that comes out over the instrument binnacle. They just have this flat and it looks like there's something missing. Yeah. And I get in it and say, there's no Simon in there. There needs to be a Simon cowl. There needs to be a cowl. Uh, you know, it, and the Italians defined cowling as an art form, didn't they? Some of the sexiest shapes in Italian cars were those anti-glare that, you know, they were they were modelled on, let's say, aspects of a lady's body quite clearly. Um, 
and there's there isn't one. These Porsches don't have one. These have this sort of flat screen and nothing over to stop the to stop the, the glare. And I find no call for that. There's no call for that, and and <laughs> nobody's ever said nobody's ever said out loud it's got no Simon before. That's that's the oh. thing now. Well, I, th yeah. I think we spent too much time in that car, but but I, I don't know whether you as uh, did you notice that uh, it's, um, Neil in your Taycan that you didn't have a sort of cowl over the instruments. I didn't actually. It's not really. It's the kind of thing that you would normally pick up on. It's the kind of yeah, thing no, it is. Quite, yeah, probably you get quite sweary about it and blame it on Jerry McGovern. Yeah, exactly. No, I, you know, I, I was really chuffed to have it because I had one of the early ones and I did it in, I did the basic one, whatever that one was called, just a tie can, I presume, and silver with chocolate leather. And I did those, the basic sort of spacey wheels, kept it all bigger battery, but other than that, relatively clean. And I thought actually it's quite a cool thing. But within half an hour of driving it, you're like, oh, bollocks, I wish I was in a 911. To summarise this without getting in trouble, um, I, I'd like to be proved wrong, but I think with a McCann coming that's uh, that's electric and this Taycan as well, I, I don't envy Porsche sales. But I, 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 I think question. It, Do you, you think obviously... Put... Sorry. Sorry, Manish. You, you know, Chris is obviously having a... Not not a rant, but I, I, I guess a, a moment of worry for Porsche because the, 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 the McCann is going to be the real tester for them because you know this this is a real world car where people aren't sort of putting dipping their toe in the water to see if they fancy a hundred and fifty thousand pound taycan in their life that could be replaced by any load of cars but you know mccann is this family suv to put your two children in some dogs yeah. and do the school run every day and you know you're going to ask the wife to put it in charge every night or or go and do that you know does it really work for functional day-to-day -day life and no I think clearly some people are going to have to try and yeah, well some people are going to have to make it work for them others yeah. are just going to reject it and they're not happy for it and you know what one thing with the taycan you know hopefully a lot of people have financed them and keep and write them off against their tax bill etc but I, i'm guessing mccann's are going to be bought by cash consumers not being written off against their company car tax etc etc and if they suffer with anything like the depreciation of a Taycan, people are not going to go anywhere near them. Yeah. It's in decline, isn't it? Private purchases of electric vehicles in December went backwards by 15%. I'm surprised there were any. The only people that are buying them are companies off the back of the tax deal. Yeah. yeah. If you're a private person, you're not buying electric, basically. Yeah. Yeah. My crystal ball tends to splutter the whole time, but I, I think people will just stick with the car they've got. Yeah, I think they'll roll, they'll roll, they'll roll the finance deal and say it's not worth the risk. It's an expensive private purchase without the company car tax advantages that EVs have. The SMMT, the trade body for motor dealers and traders in the UK, is lobbying that VAT on EVs should be halved. There's something about this, this move. Toward, towards EVs that that has changed over the last year or two, in that before there was a there was a little bit of unknown, bit of a exotic um, unknown around electric vehicles. Whereas now I think everyone knows someone that's owned one. Yes, and the story that comes from that isn't isn't positive. Most people have got a no no a mate who's got a mate who ran out of who ran out of juice or it got recalled or it lost them fifty grand. I don't hear many stories of people going, oh, it's changed my life. It's brilliant. I don't hear that too often. I, I recently um, I interviewed someone uh, who moved to 
Shanghai for BMW about 10 or 12 years ago. And the Chinese are really pushing back on European cars at the moment because they don't understand the consumer. And, you know, obviously we've seen BYD now become the, the biggest uh, electric yep. EV maker in the world. And the, the way that the in car interface works in China is wildly different to that uh, of a, a Western built um, e e EV and, and they're really looking for something different over here, which is why Tesla has been has performed extraordinarily well because they they took a totally different approach to just you know building. Chris sent a video to me this morning of uh, a BMW advert in the US, which is a brilliant advert, but that's all they've really got to offer. You know that their sort of original marketing ploy. They don't really have the product the consumer wants on mass. That, mentioning... that, that that advert, by the way, is the Christopher Walken BMW i5 advert. It's it is, uh, you know, I know the car people don't like it. I buy the car based on that advert. Yeah, <laughs> the advert. Yeah, yeah. Um, talking of Shanghai, Edward, will Shanghai be the next stop on your extended uh, Asian holiday? No, no, London, London. I arrived back in London on Sunday. If you'd oh, like to shame. come from the airport in an EV or or a combustion <laughs> engine, I'm I'm pretty open minded. <laughs> Uh, right, I'm just trying to find a, um, a file on here so I can read something that's happened to me this week because um, we are now going to just what we did with cars this week uh, and two of us have been all over the shop uh, internationally and I'm sure everyone else has got good stories as well. Let's start with Neil Clifford because um, I quite like him uh, to give us some choice swearing at this time in the morning, please. Yes. Well, I, I've done two big things. I went to Retromobile. Oh, Ooh. So um, I, I, I actually I was in New York and then I came back up one day in in, uh, in London and then I went to work in New York and then went to Paris, not work, with my mate Paul. And we do it every year and we we fly and we get the first flight out and we land at Charles de Gaulle at 8 a.m. A retromobile opposite having a little sort of egg and baguette and all of that at 9.30. And retromobile is brilliant. It's the best classic car show probably in Europe, not as if I've been to any other ones. Um, well, no, I went to the Padova one actually, but I've never been to the German ones. But anyway, Retromobile is brilliant. And it's sort of been taken over by all the big players of the UK, which is wonderful. The Joe McCarries, yeah. yeah, the Joe McCarries, the Fiskins, the Kidstons, these huge, bloody, frankly, quite expensive stands, but impressive brilliantly created uh, curated um incredible cars um good coffee thank you for everyone for letting me on your stand and giving me coffee and it's just a great day out i highly recommend it you see cars that you you know it's very difficult to see elsewhere and um lots of lovely french people and then you go for lunch and then you walk back down the tuileries gardens and you get your cab back at um and you're home for 10 o'clock at night it's lovely lovely day did you drive did you drive there or did you no, flew no i flew actually that's quite unlike you Neil. normally you like the adventure well you know what and I, and I do drive to paris quite a bit but it's quite tough trying to do paris in a day there and back yeah. and actually have fun in paris yeah, because yeah. it's it's five hours from my house, and then you know, and I was worried about all the farmers with their tractors. Didn't yeah. see one uh, actually. Yeah, um, but it's a you so, know, it's a super pretty. Imagine plant. imagine Retromobile um, was the village fate, and you're in the dog show. What's the dog you would most like to take home? Uh, I 
it's got to be a white 250 GTO in the Kitson stand, isn't it? <laughs> that yeah. was your pick. I thought it'd be the 917. Yeah, the well, Count Rossi 917. You went all the yeah, way to see it. Uh, yeah. Are you really going to be able to drive that every day? I suppose 250 GTO is relatively niche too. I mean, the, the Count Rossi 917 on um, Joe Macari stand, it was definitely a dream for me to see. And my good friend uh, Dario, bless him, organised me to sit in it, which was really good. So, yeah, that's a tough call. That's a good two-car garage, isn't it, if ever there was one? Yeah. You know, um, you know if you Bernie, um, when, on, when he had... Uh, his all-white Brabham from 1973 and did very well. Um, Count Rossi contacted him and he met Count Rossi in Monaco. And Rossi said, I propose to advertise on your Brabham. And uh, he sent a bunch of designers over. It was going to happen to Bernie. So he's got his white BT-44. And um, these amazing martini boys mocked up the car and Bernie apparently came out to look. I've seen pictures of the car as it was mocked up. And he went, nah, don't like it. <laughs> Literally redesigned the car himself. And the car you see with the you know the beautiful Martini Brabham is the Bernie Eccleston Martini yeah. Brabham, not the Count Rossi Brabham. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> now, cool. So, you know, that's, 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 like, the sorry, that's the best thing I did, Retromobile, really. Amazing. Right. Do you, so, think, uh, do you think having three 250 GTOs on the market at one time is a sign of anything or not? Yes. As he said that, peeling a grape. Actually, you didn't peel it, did you? You just woofed it because you're so... I don't, I don't you know something, grape. Edward. You've eaten that grape because you know something. No, no, I don't. I, don't I genuinely don't. And what one thing, obviously, these, these car shows are amazing. And, and what they try to do, because Essen is very expensive. It's, a, you know, the dealers are spending 200,000 200, euros to have a, a stand there, put up their staff. You know, it's, it's super expensive. And clearly, they want to bring cars that are fresh to the market that are really exciting. And... RM Sotheby's uh, are about to do a private sale on a 250 GTO that's in the US, that's in Florida at the moment. Um, Gerardo had the 64 bodied GTO there and then Simon the 63. Um, you, know, you know, this is the rarest of the rare cars. Um, Hartley's and, got one. Yeah, well, no, the Hartley one is the one that's going to RM, I think, is the right. uh, the, right. the X-Blade Law car. Yeah. So, um, if, you, so if, you, if, you put, if you were about to... Sell a two fifty GTO as a motor trader, you know, unless you're unless you're Simon Kidston, it's the highlight of your working life, isn't it? You've got the unicorn. How do you feel if two others suddenly come to market at the same time? Do you do you remove yours? Do you advise your client that that this might be a more difficult process than you thought? How do you how do you go about that? Well, also, you'd normally hope it would be quite easy because if there's only one for sale, there's not the choice of the other ones, and now there's. Yeah. a choice of three and yes they'll all be priced differently and have different histories and rebodied accidents etc 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 but it, it just adds a level of complexity to making a decision will they all sell uh i would have thought so I, at some point or another i would say the one at rm will 100 percent sell and i would say given the fact that the owner's sold uh, almost his entirety of his collection that he's a acquired in a very short space of time. He he might have to. Um, the, the other two I couldn't comment on, but I think if a car's publicly in the market today, it's there to be sold. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So I'm going anyway, to anyway from, from a bar. Chris and I, Chris and I were sat talking about this. I, I can't remember if it. Well, I think we're in Australia at the time, but a remarkable set of cars on all the stands. Really, it's just it's just great to be able to walk around a a single hall in Paris and see these amazing cars presented so beautifully. I think maybe that's right. Yeah. Maybe it's a reflection of the car industry that the world can support ever more classic car shows, but it can't support a new car show. Yeah, um, mm. those Paris halls used to used to be a, a Paris motor show that was large. That's gone now. Geneva's yeah. gone, and yet more and more people want to go and watch beautiful, go and see beautiful old cars in the flesh. Not a bad thing. I'm right. Edward, we've been in Australia, New Zealand, myself and Edward for the last two weeks. Edward will cover some of that off in a minute. But I've got a little bit of a story I want to tell you about this M5 Touring I bought because um, it has been a, re a, a voyage of discovery. Uh, not all of it good, but some of it highly amusing. So I bought the car having persuaded myself it wasn't a press car and I'd never driven it. Then I showed, Then a man from BMW saw it at the Business Scramble, looked at the number plate, went through BMW's system, sent me a note saying, it was a press car, you've driven it. Which point I thought, that's not great because I did used to thrash things. Um, turns out I drove it to the Nürburgring or a friend of mine drove it to the Nürburgring to see Nick Heidfeld do a lap of the Nürburgring in Nordschleife in 2007. Then I drove it back. I have no recollection of this whatsoever. I then took it to... Um, Chobham Test Track, where I skidded the shit out of it for an afternoon with someone else. He also said to me, I skidded that car with you. Don't you remember it? I went, no, I don't. This stage, I was thinking, I've got this is a lovely car, but it's got more, more stories than I thought. Then a friend of mine I used to work with said, actually, after that, it was owned by my friend. And I borrowed it three times to go to Europe and thrash the shit out of it with my bikes on the roof of the car. And it averaged 10 MPG. I now felt like the bloke that had been dating the girlfriend who had a more complicated history than I first thought. <laughs> now, the car's lovely and it, while I was away Dara from Everything M who's been brilliant said he would go through it with a fine tooth comb and would sort out the rear suspension to rebuild all that but the really good bit is he was going to take it to be remapped because we're going to put a big carbon air box on it and I'll show you there'll be a video about this and to get some more air in we might get some more air out make her breathe better ECU have a look at it so he, he sends me this here we go Turns out the car is already remapped. Ooh. Um, it's not how my tuner would say it's a safe tune. Far too much advance on the ignition to a risky level. So it's been backed off a smidgen to stop it running way too lean and detonating. And I was wondering why it's so fast. Anyhow, this leads me to wonder, was this a bent UK press car? Had they been playing with them to make them go? Because this one goes like stink. The two previous people that owned it before me have contacted me to say they didn't play with the ECU. So uh, something's gone on with it. Anyhow, uh, it's it's I do, this is the thing about these old cars. It's costing me a few quid, but I love all the theatre and nonsense. The stories if are... I bought, so what, what if I bought it a new RS6, if I bought a new RS6, I just... I wouldn't even open the owner's manual. I'd be driving around it. But then yes. every, every time I do something, there's another story revealed by this weird old estate car. And I like that. Sorry, carry on. What's what power has it got? Did he tell you what it did on the it has a no, we didn't dyno it. It's about 520 horsepower now. It's got okay. up, it's got up about, and, and it does go like stink, if I'm honest with you. Because it's because even though it was a heavy car then, by it's probably 340 kilograms lighter than a modern RS6. Um anyhow, so so, so those put the air so the airbox is going to give it even more of that BMW M induction. Oh, I'm not going to go into it too much, but it's full carbon. It sounds wow. sensational now. Oh, wow. So, it's no, it's a special thing. But I just love the fact that every single time I turn a corner, there's an, someone else's 
ragged it someone else knows it someone else I mean, it's just the, the idea that someone on holiday three times in it that i used to work in and it wasn't even a press car is absurd but uh back to um uh, matters work edward and i have just had our minds blown by new zealand and australia so i wanted to talk about that a bit please well i have to talk about that to start with it i yeah um so well first of all we turned up in new zealand for uh, a, a team member's wedding which our minds were blown immediately, N not only because the loveliest family I think I've ever met, but we were looked after so exceptionally well, picked up by a collecting cars, purchased uh, Defender um, Heritage Edition, which nice. only happened to come from the family biz back in the day, <laughs> which, were, which was quite fun seeing it on the other side of the world. But we then made it down to Auckland, which in the sunshine is an amazing city beautiful city and we had 100 cars turn up to what is the biggest car gathering in auckland and the the mix of cars down there chris was just brilliant wasn't it yeah there, there was there was they had a c a new four-cylinder c63 amg saloon there and there isn't a press car in the uk yet so i don't there's something going on there uh, but but a, a great bunch of people as well. I, I, I didn't have any idea there was that level of, of metal and, and carbon fibre lurking in Auckland. And then we, we yeah. and, and everyone seems to listen to the podcast down there. So they were all very upset that you boys weren't down there with us. Um, so ne next time we'll have to we'll have to get the Gulf Stream out and get it down there. Um, and then Sydney, we were hoping for about a thousand cars to turn up. And we had two and a half thousand cars. Oh my goodness! And people waiting for. Not saying they were that happy, and I apologise uh, if you had to wait outside. But uh, we had, had traffic backed up to the highway for about an hour, trying to get them into wow. the, the, the the Rose Hill Gardens racecourse. Um, but again, an, an amazing weather, such an incredible mix of cars. You know, all all of the cars we'd ever want there um and such deep passion uh for 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 the variety of mix they have down there obviously a lot of jdm stuff um but yeah just br brilliant brilliant group of people brilliant cars you know when you see something truly eclectic and you think i want to know how much that person was giggling when they started that this morning to drive here we had there was every piece of exotic imaginable and someone turned up in that weird light green metallic metro turbo oh Remember that one, the light green? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Someone, someone just turned up and just parked it casually next to a load of 911 speedsters and yeah. got out and walked away. And I just, I, I, I wanted to hug him. And the first <laughs> car, the first car that was allowed into the top deck where there was a load of people that were waiting in really expensive, again, German and Italian machinery. And this little Peugeot 405 MI16. That was lovely. It, oh, just, it just snuck in in front of all of them, parked up and went, all right, mate, and walked off. It was, it was, <laughs> So it was, it was, it was, it was, it was special. Yeah. And I have to say on a personal note, two days before that I drove, I love Aussie saloon cars. I love Bathurst. And I, I drove the one I've waited for ages, an HSV GTSR W1, which is the run out model, 636 horsepower LS9 in a, in a big Aussie saloon car. It is, I, I, I described it as Merv Hughes on four wheels. You know, it's just a, a yeah. snarling bastard of a car. Uh, and I'm, I'm immensely grateful to drive that. 
So yeah, we also time. fell in love with Sydney, and we're going to need somewhere on the beach down there. Chris is currently trying to uh, get a um, OnlyFans account to help raise raise money for it. <laughs> but it's a hundred million dollars for something on the seaside. And yeah. uh, that Manish, what have you done this week in cars? Loaded question. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There it is. Oh. For those of you, I'm now going to describe this like a radio presenter. Manish is holding a picture of himself leaning or touching against a Ferrari four five six. Lead on McDuff. Wow. Uncle Neil Clifford is very connected, and I'm completely convinced is related to Father Christmas, because I got <laughs> a text saying that he had a friend called Xavier, who has a four five six that um, he bought over from France, was going to keep in London, and uh, he said Xavier would be delighted to take you for a drive in this, or rather you drive it. And I, I mean, I'd been waiting literally the whole month. Kind of counting down the days, and um, I'd never been to the Duke of London. Have you, have you guys been there? No, nope. yeah, yeah. yeah. Merlin, and, the... Merlin and Georgia do a brilliant job down there, it's fantastic. It, it's just extraordinary. It, it was at a pub once, Neil. Well, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole property development, and actually, Merlin and Georgia have had three different locations in Brentford and getting bigger and bigger and developing it each time, but they're um. Oh no, it's wonderful. It's it's like going back to the sixties in terms of entrepreneurship. It's bloody fantastic. I mean, they are. So I um I uh, I arrived not knowing where I was going. I thought, well, am I meeting them in some kind of pub? But not at all. There's a effectively a courtyard that had some of the most beautiful cars I'd ever seen, and some of the most eclectic cars that I'd ever seen. And um, there she was, Potsy Blue, right in the middle, next to um. Uh, a gold Aston Martin DB7. So Xavier bought both cars and um, he is just the most wonderful guy. And he's known Neil, I think, for 25 years. They've known each other through quote unquote luxury retailing. His background is Louis Vuitton, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. just the most chic Frenchman. He bought his son and a, and a friend of theirs. They drove the other car. And the mission was meet, have a coffee, me drive the car basically from Brentford to Neil's for for um, for coffee and pastries, and this was it turned out to be an hour and forty five minute drive the way we did it. And I drove this thing on every kind of road, but 
my first, I mean, when I just saw it, honestly, they just kept saying, I don't think we've seen a smile so wide on any, I just, I was like this. I could not stop smiling. The car, it's, I always remember these things as beautiful, but close up, everything, everything about this car is sculptured magnificence. That's the only way. And then I had a little, because I looked inside, it was left-hand drive manual. And the car, mirror to mirror, is about six feet two, six feet three inches wide. And I've never driven a left-hand drive car in England before. The last time I changed gear with my right hand was when I was 30. And it was a Formula Ford. And um, I got a bit nervous. <laughs> I just sat in the car. And there's a, to, to even start it up, I, he said, look, you put the little peg, there's a little hole, you put it in, put this peg into the hole, the red light suddenly flashes, <laughs> then you put the key into the starter. You never use the handbrake after you uh, start the car up, and it feels terribly flimsy. Uh, so you balance it. I have to say, within five minutes, I thought I was at home. I've I've never had a feeling like that in a car. And, there's so much, what did you call it, Chris? You said there's so much glass in those cars. Yeah. That you, the visibility is oh, just no. incredible. It's just- Understeer, oversteer. <laughs> no, I didn't get to, I didn't get to, the, the, the thing is, so I pulled out into Brentford traffic and uh, we found our way eventually onto the M25 and then onto the M40 and yeah. then country lanes. And so I got to try this on everything, including pulling up very hard on the, you know, on the left-hand side for the odd tractor. And all I can say is, that I think it's 437 horsepower, this car, and it weighs 1.7 tons. So the power-to-weight ratio on the road is ample. It felt like a go-kart. I could just point it. It's also, um, it has power steering, which some people may like, may not. He has the old steering wheel, which doesn't have... Um, the airbag and it's beautiful. The size is just absolutely nice steering wheel. A good steering wheel. Two minutes to get and the clutch. I was expecting a sort of clutch war, and and there wasn't a clutch war. And when I was on the motorway, I just just wanted to see what revs each gear would be in um, at seventy miles an hour. And you know, we got it up to six, and at seventy miles an hour, it was seventeen hundred and fifty revs. You know, but if you just popped it in any gear like that um my only indiscretion was I, because i was i was finding on the country roads the hedges very close you know because i'm on the left hand side of the car and the hedges are just to my left so my road positioning was probably two feet too far to the right and we were going down this twisty bit and i heard it like that of course i touched mirrors with another car and i was absolutely mortified so we pulled up and he's so calm. He goes, you know, you, these things are to drive. What that? And there's me just saying, no, 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 look, please. I, you know, I'll get it polished now. It's like, we have lunch. And we got to Neil's. And getting to Neil's is like getting to the ultimate privately owned sweet shop. So there was so much more to do. But I have to say, I just pulled up. I, um, we had coffee. We had croissants. All I could do is talk about the car. And what I asked was for Zavi to drive back. I didn't want to drive it back. I wanted to be in the passenger seat just to appreciate it at a slightly different level because he really can drive the car. He's had it since 1998. Yeah, he's owned it a long time, yeah. And the car is a 1994 car. It's absolutely immaculate. Um, Until now. 
Um, so, so here's a question for you, Manish. You've always had a problem with that rear glass, the shape of it. Have you have you softened your opinion on that shape? Pardon? You know the rear side glass. <laughs> I'm always... joking. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Joking. Just, sorry. It's so beautiful, that car. You know, just just literally, and I think, you know, I'm not tall, but I think if I had to sit in the back for a long journey, I would not, I would not have a problem. I think if you're over, if you're sort of six feet, five feet ten, six feet. Maybe after an hour and a half or so, it would be a little cramped. But and also the cabin, the only thing, there were just two things that to my eyes dated the car, but it is 30 years old. It's the, the air conditioning vents. I suppose now we'd we'd have slightly more prissily designed ones, because these are really three rectangles out of a fair right in the middle. Yeah. And um and just the plastic fascia that um that sits on the console. And by by the way, changing gear in that car. I've never changed gear in a Ferrari kind of chrome gate. Clack, 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 clack. It, oh. Yeah, it's a, it's a great engine, great gearbox, isn't it? It's uh, beautiful. Did you so the bid him? The nation's <laughs> waiting, Manish. Are you going to get it? Well, you know, he's, it's, it's not for sales. I am oh. looking. I am looking. I re-emailed Mike at Radley. Um, apparently, there was one at um, in Paris that went and I should have got it. But what what Zavi did say to me is be, what you'd said, Chris, he said, really beware of very low mileage examples. He said, when you buy this car, make sure you take it out. If not every week, definitely every two weeks on a good long run, there'll be problems because that's what you're gonna get, but you must drive it. Don't leave it in the garage because then you'll get lots of problems. And he did point out um, every year he has to get the electric windows adjusted. Yeah. They, they do slip they, still. They drop you know, Just things like that. But I mean, you know. Uh, so, you call the first one thing, I've, I've always first. been pro the M. I've always wanted an M. But then when you drive a non-M, you do think, am I being fussy here? Because this is still hey. a control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Xavier was very happy to... Um, provide the service manish i love him I, I love it what a wonderful son what a wonderful it was just it was a i, I mean i i literally couldn't stop smiling that day just like this and i'd sit down and go I did that it was just that's what that's what cars are for aren't they ultimately yeah. my my other half was having a ropey morning yesterday and she had to go and get the banana out of the garage and i phoned her and she's in a very different mood afterwards i said what's the difference she went just drove the yellow car really slowly around somewhere and I feel better now. I said, that's what they're for. They're like dogs. Chris Cooper, what have you done this week? So that weekend that you were sampling 456, uh, Motorsport UK had its annual Night of Champions where we recognised and awarded prizes to British Touring Car Champion, British GTs, Hill Climb. Um, there's a guy, um, Wallace Mengi, who's a Scottish gentleman who's won it for the last four years in a row, who is the most entertaining company. So well done to you for winning again. Um, Ross Braun, we awarded a Lifetime Achievement Award to, and Nigel well Mansell also we decided should get a night. But in true Nigel style, there was a drama. Was there? There was a drama. He's not been very well. He had, I think, gallstone or gallbladder okay. emergency. So he sent Steve Ryder, most everyone will know who Steve Ryder is. So Steve Ryder compares the evening for us. And he said, Nigel sent a little video. And just the subtle way that Steve said that, said, 
this might be a long video with a lot of explanation of his trauma and difficulty. And it had been really cleverly edited to show that this probably went on for about six hours, the original recording. <laughs> um, and so he couldn't make it. Um, but uh, Stefano was there to help present Ross with his award, which is great. So, um, and Stefano looked very, very happy. And I suspect now and part of that was because he knew what we all now know, which is Lewis is going to Ferrari. So we'll come on to that later. But that what I want to talk about was that day we had our first board meeting of the year and our chair, David Richards, was unable to make it. So he said to me, would you mind chairing the board today? So for a, for a day, I was in charge of everything. <laughs> so I made a few changes. <laughs> I've got a few of them listed here. So uh, for this year... Uh, all national championships must have a naturally aspirated V8 engine. <laughs> I mean, they just got it, haven't they? Really? Yes. Um, club championships, where they run a four-cylinder engine, must have a BDA, maybe a BDG. Yeah. Um, and track limits. Track limits has been a real debate in the sport everywhere the last few years. So uh, I decided that this year... Uh, it will be legal to fit on the front of your car a space ray gun blaster thing. Yeah. And if you see somebody in front of you breaching the track limits, you can blast them. <laughs> you can have three blasts per race. That's that, Neil's that, got one of those that, on the front of his car for the motorway. That last one of those is quite is quite is is interesting. It's a great idea, Mister C. But it does pose the slightly awkward situation that. When you were racing, if someone had been following you, they could have zapped you on every corner of the racetrack. They would have to catch me first. The, the, the track limits for you were the walls of the circuit. Yeah, that was, they were, um, the, the nice ladies and gentlemen listening might not know that my uh, nickname was Curbs. There's a slightly less um, admirable interpretation of that. But be assured it was because I viewed the curb stones on the circuits as generally merely optional. Yes. Yeah. So, well, I, so, love, I, I love the idea of being in charge. I do yeah, love so, never been in charge I, of anything. I'm, I'm kidding, David. I didn't do all those things, but God, I was tempted. I so I had a lovely <laughs> week in cars. Excellent. Now, um, we move on to the thorny issue of Formula One. Of, of all weeks to pre-record a podcast, <laughs> we pre-recorded one with the biggest piece of news this podcast would have had to ruminate over in its 51-week existence. Only we could do that. So as, as the pre-recorded one went out, I thought, oh, my God, we've balls this up. But we're here now, and we will discuss the fact that Lewis Hamilton is on his way to Ferrari in 2025, or maybe sooner. Who can tell? Because it, like it could looks like this year could get even bumpier um, uh, once we have the outcome of a Red Bull um, tribunal on Friday uh, for Christian Horner. Uh, because that, it sounds like, might have ramifications for a Mr. Adrian yep. New and where he carries on working. So there's all sorts to, to consider here. Let's start off with the man who always gives us those mojuste. Neil Clifford, with swearing, please. I, I do recall predicting this. You did. You did. <laughs> it's, it's obviously really great to really not know what you're talking about, because like a broken clock, you are right once a day eventually yeah <laughs> twice um, a day or twice a day of course unless twice it's 12 o'clock if it's a digital watch <laughs> no, look i think it's brilliant isn't it i mean thank i think it's brilliant for lewis just because everyone wants to drive for ferrari 
Um, it's brilliant for the sport just because it actually makes something interesting that we're all going to be yep. interested in, not only in 24, but also obviously looking forward to 25. I think, um, is he is he going to get the eighth? I mean, we all want it. Getting it in a Ferrari would just be magic, wouldn't it? But I mean, I think that's probably like a 20% chance. When do the rules change? 26, not 25. So maybe it's more likely 26. And then he's going to be like... 56 years old or something isn't he so hopefully he's still fit by that point bless him so i think it's all i mean liberty must be over the moon because people are talking about formula one again because we all got a bit bored with it didn't we with the max thing and i didn't even think about that chris but if if adrian goes somewhere else that would even be even more bloody exciting wouldn't it but i'm sure that's relatively he's probably on a billion pounds a year at red bull so well, if we consider the fact that after Lewis's announcement, the market cap of Ferrari went up 6% yeah. that day, they've probably got the budget to hire anyone they wanted to hire. Yeah. yeah. Chris, they had also announced their results that day. That's the only thing I would say. And they were great results. Yeah. So they, they, they timed that rather beautifully. They announced their great results and Lewis. Yeah. It's what I mean, one of the best run companies in the world. You know, they John Elkan, he's amazing. Company. They don't put a foot wrong, though, do they? We, I mean, it's fun. It's amazing. Yeah, they they have found a way of keeping people spending money in ways that um, brilliant that, that we can't even imagine. So, um, Manish, what's your take on this? Then, oh, by the way, what the, the facts of the situation are that Lewis is going to Ferrari in twenty five. Everything else I said there is pure naughty conjecture. All right, so I'll, I will say allegedly before and after it. But I I do believe. This is going to precipitate some other changes. I really do. Uh, Manish, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think you're right. It, it, it's funny. I think this is, it seems so obvious. And, and weirdly, back in 2014, um, I was talking to a promoter friend and um, they were pretty gloomy about Formula One at that, um, at that time. Sorry, tw 2018. It was post-Bernie and um, they were pretty gloomy. It was pre-COVID. They felt it was all a bit stuck. And they said, you know, what do you think? If you had a magic wand and you could do anything in Formula One, what would you do? And I said, I'd put Lewis in a Ferrari. I mean, that was obviously back six years ago when he was sort of closer to his peak. And um, I, it it depends on what you read. You know, there, there's some, there are some stories out there saying that he was denied a Mercedes ambassador job. He wanted a 10-year job. As a Mercedes ambassador mm -hmm. uh, for his post Formula One career, kind of a la Michael. And if that's the case, you you just what? Do you remember when Michael just reappeared in the silver? It was as if Ferrari never happened. And in those three years, it was just Michael Mercedes, Michael Mercedes. And um, you know, it really undid. It really undid his uh, his his decade at, at Ferrari. And you just wonder whether. Mercedes would have known if this story is true. Um, in a way, what a dumb thing they had done. And my, my other point is the contractual point. Um, there was a lot of sort of gloating about, oh, yeah, yeah, we've done a two-year deal. It's a one plus one, giving everyone flexibility. I think a really good manager gives himself flexibility, <laughs> maybe not his driver. So it would have been a two-year deal as far as um, Lewis was concerned and a one plus one as far as Mercedes were concerned. Because I think... To let him go, they, they've let him go on the back of losing 
for two years in a row. They're going to have to design a car pretty much from scratch, you know, their new concept car this year, knowing he's leaving. Um, and I think Neil's right. He'll go to Ferrari as a seven times champion. He, he's unlikely to go as an eight times champion. And you then wonder what Lewis's Mercedes legacy was. And, that you know, people will say, well, what's the memory that you most have of Lewis Hamilton? And I go, oh, of him not winning the championship in 2021. You know, that's the moment we all, that's the moment that we will all remember, I think, in 10 years time. And then the final thing I'd say is it looks like there's an engineering exodus to Ferrari. Yes, um, there's a lot Sarah, of people gone there, isn't there? There's a lot yeah, of people like, gone. Yeah, and, and I think I can see that becoming, you know, a little bit like the Benetton migration to Ferrari in Michael's time. I can see a few Mercedes engineers or or a Red Bull engineers, as you pointed out, making making the leap to Maranello. And you know, and why not? And fantastic for Liberty as well. I mean, it's if Ferrari start winning championships with a guy like Lewis, age 41, but 40, sorry, behind the, the steering wheel, 41. Uh, with somebody like a new designing it, and we have this sort of five-year period where the red car's untouchable. That's just, it's going to be good for everyone. Box office. Um, Edward Lovett, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I heard he couldn't get a pure sangue allocation, so that's the only reason he's going. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. <laughs> my, 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 you know, my my only comment really is that it's just remark. It just shows you how in tune these Formula One teams are, and probably the management. Because going into twenty twenty four season, it didn't feel like an overly appealing way to spend my weekends watching the same races that we watched last year with the same teams and the same performance. And this will draw me back to the television for the first race. Yes. E even though Hamilton might not be in a in a Ferrari this year, but I, I think it just brings, is it, there's excitement around the sport. Yeah, I totally agree. The Formula One has this uncanny ability to reinvent itself just when you think it's dying. Hmm. And I love that. All, all great entities manage to do that. Um, and the and just you know you said Ferrari went up six percent. I, th I think the, the the cash value of that's like seven billion dollars. Yes. You know that's yeah. a, that's a remarkable commercial decision. You know we 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 hear about these huge salaries and deals going on. No one's worth that. No one's worth that. Well, I'm sorry. In in big corporate world, yeah. that's <clears throat> that's why these deals happen. You know that's a you know a, a modest salary payment for a. Nine billion dollar market cap increase. It's uh, you know it's a remarkable um, business decision. Uh, Chris Cooper, will he use the curbs or not? Oh, I hope so. If he needs any help, he knows you know he knows where we are. Um, I think it's great. I think it's brilliant. Um, it just injected excitement that day when the story was unfolding last Wednesday, Thursday, whenever it was. Um, we all saw it in the morning. We thought, really. And then uh, it was clear it was going to happen. And there was the staff meeting at Brackley, two o'clock in the afternoon, and people coming out saying, yeah, we've just been told he's leaving. Um, it happened really quickly. So talking to people in the know, probably wouldn't wish me to say who they are. Guys probably know who I'm talking about. Um, it does look like it happened quite quickly. Uh, clearly, Toto only really knew the Wednesday morning when he had a scheduled hey, breakfast. Hey, before, yeah. Um, and 
the question, the first question I would wanted to ask, and I, I've kind of since got a bit of an answer to this, was so so last week, Ferrari, when you were saying to Charles, um, you're our guy, we're going to extend your already big contract for another three years because you're our guy. Did you tell him about Lewis? Did you even know about Lewis? Because Charles is clearly still staying. So either um, he did know and he wasn't that fussed about it, which sounds extraordinary. It must, have cha- it must change everything. It must change everything. If it's sure. uh, clearly, Carlos has changed even more. He's out of a job. Um, maybe the reverse to Mercedes wasn't available, wasn't interesting. Toto didn't want it. Who knows? So I think it's mega. Um, it completely dwarfed the news from the previous day or whatever it was that Andretti have been rather smartly turfed out of the door by FOM, by Liberty Media, with a very long and actually quite blunt message about, we don't think you understand the enormity of the challenge you're taking on. And it's a big challenge, design a completely new car from scratch for an organization that's never designed a built car before. And then after a year, design another new car completely from scratch because the rules change. So um, it's a hard one. So I think for for F1 this year, it's amazing. Mm. If, I mean, who's going to go to the Mercedes second seat? They've got this guy, Andrea Kimi Antonelli, 17 years old. He's, I think he's in the same team as Oli Beerman this year, Prima, in F2. Um, he's probably too young. Oli Beerman, could Mercedes nick him if they wanted him? Um, I think they should put Albon in that car before Carlos is an answer. Him. Um, you know, who, who knows? So it's going to be great because how's Carlos going to react? How is Charles, is Charles going to panic if he's got a car that's kind of half decent? Will he desperate to get a championship this year because he thinks next year I've got the best racer in the world ever in the So yeah, it just changes this year. It's great. Thank you, Lewis. If you're Charles, you're just mightily pissed. You must be. You are, must are, be. You, are you? Because I think... I think yes, I Ch- would. Ch- Charles is living a pretty charmed life at the moment. He hasn't, you know, he hasn't achieved necessarily what he should have achieved. He's got a contract that's suspiciously long. Um, and uh, and he seems to be doing quite. He seems to quite like the social media. So I, I think he's he's done all right. And actually, you could argue that maybe Carlos deserved to be there more over the next couple of years. I think yeah. science has, has had a really rough ride. Yeah. Um, so let's pose some interesting ones from this. Outcomes I'd love to see. Just imagine if on episode seventy eight of the Collecting Addicts podcast on eighty eight. We are discussing the fact that Lewis Hamilton has just won the world championship in a Mercedes and then has to fucking leave and go to Ferrari. <laughs> I think Carlos Sainz has comprehensively outpointed Charles Leclerc, who's gone in some sort of meltdown and now isn't worth the, isn't worth the paper he's written on. Um, and what I love about this is it just it yeah. totally, it's like it's like it's like the furrow into compacted turf, isn't it? We've just everything's been turned upside down, yeah. And now yeah. we can start to imagine new narratives, and that's before we discuss this. Christian Horner thing, which I, I, I'm there's no way we're going to try and speculate what's gone on there. But the fact is, they're having to react to a situation through their correct professional HR channels, and the outcome of that could be that he's no longer team principal of Red Bull. I'm, I'm possible. I, I, I'm not probably not his number one fan in terms of the way he does things, but actually, he's been phenomenally successful, and it's it's inconceivable that anyone could step in and do his job now at that notice. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, so it's, this, is, this is this 20th season, 19th, 20th season, took over in 2005, age 30, 31. 
He is a ferocious, um, a ferocious competitor. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I, you know, are we about? Are we seeing an empire dismantled at short notice? Are we seeing something happening here that we hadn't expected? Could be. I mean, everyone talks about well, we, you know, we're not necessarily in the know, but one's aware of, of suggestions that there's a if Christian were to go, then. Adrian is allowed to release himself from his contract or vice versa, whether that would still apply in force majeure where Christian has been removed and hang on, no, we didn't want you to go just because we've had to deal with a particular situation there. Who knows? So, but it's just wonderful. It's just, it just creates so much uncertainty um, and how people are going to behave. And, you know, if Christian is still CEO next week, then it'll be, you know, difficult for him naturally in any person in that position so yeah i think it's brilliant i think lewis going to ferrari is brilliant the uncertainty of the two ferrari drivers this year a winner might be the winner looks like george suddenly he must have gone there thinking i might have one or two years of lewis Hmm. and then it'll be gone and suddenly it looks like well i've got four years maybe even more of lewis hang on that's not what i thought was going to happen and the car shit as well yeah what what of the car shit this year uh, you know, there's what I love about this. There's so little information. It's all we can just speculate as much as we want. I mean, Lewis surely has has part of his decision is predicated on the fact that he's he's seen something about the car that he doesn't think is great. Oh, he's, lost, so. he's lost confidence in their ability to give him the machinery over the next two or three years. Um, uh, th- there must have been a money motivation as well, or maybe just the wanting to stir things up, but also maybe wanted to be box office again because the news has been quite been very much for Stappen yeah. over the last year. And I suspect Lewis is going to earn more money than him going forwards, which is a nice one of those sort of just polish the yeah. apple collar, isn't it? Didn't, yeah. didn't Toto sign a new contract about a week or two before? Yeah, did he? He did. He's locked in for five years now. Yes. Well, some it, of some of the social posts going on were then 24, 48 hours after it were just brilliant. Go on. <laughs> no, it, well, I think we've shared some of them. They were, oh, just, I just love but some they, of them. But a, another comedy. aspect of it I love that it's it's a it's a bit like those episodes of The Simpsons when they predicted Donald Trump becoming the president. You know, we watched that episode. It was it was pure irony and satire. This time last year, there were there were memes on Instagram of Lewis wearing a Ferrari overalls, like it was a joke that would never happen. Yeah, and I I I, I do I chapeau to the sport for giving us this stuff to chat about because it's it's Neil knew though Neil knew, but yeah. Neil Neil Clifford knew because he's got potsy with a he just red, he's got a, a red yeah. leather lined boot on his potsy car. I do. He, he, I think, he, I think... he's Lapo Elkin with a uh, with a with a suit on. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I love Lapo. I think the I think Lewis looks the smartest out of everyone. That's I think he's very shrewd and very clever dude. I think. Yeah, he's still got a piece of odds on 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 Lewis leaving before the season's over, and I I, I might take them. Because this is my my last question to you all, my knowledgeable friends. Why announce it so early? Why announce it now? It's an odd thing to do to give a whole year to, for a big name for the, the biggest announcement we've had in probably five years in the sport. I you think know, I think made... this this would literally. I, I think it's got two two reasons. I think it's um, it is a one plus one deal, and I think that the the second part of it there may have been a time sensitive element. And I think the other bit of this is, I think, um, I think there is a, there was a kind of bigger picture in the background, which is Liberty, Ferrari, 
the day their shares come out. I mean, somebody has thought this through and gone, you know, maximum impact. And the other thing is it just makes Lewis news for a year. Yeah. You know, and, and the final thing, of course, it's Formula One, right? If they didn't announce it, we would all have heard about it in about two weeks' time or 10 days' time because you can't keep a secret in that sport. It just doesn't happen. It's true. Nothing 31st, like this. It was the 31st of January. That would that date would have been written in the contract. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, there was a trigger not. date. He, yeah, he pressed the button. I, I tested that one. I, the, the biggest motivation for announcing it now is it saves Fred's neck. <laughs> if they'd had a mediocre year this year with nothing to look forward to, given that this is, well, now, if they don't win this year, anything, it'll yeah. be the longest period they haven't won anything. Fred would have been in the crosshairs. Now he's inoculated himself because people always worry about this year. They say, stuff this year, I'm waiting for next year. Lewis is going to be in our car. It's going to be, so Fred would have been. And how is this? How do you think his friendship, so... especially if a lot of Mercedes engineers go to Ferrari, how do you think his friendship with Toto is going to go? Do you think they'll still have each other's house keys? Fred and uh, Toto. Mm. I think they just look longer than that. I think, I, I, I suspect Toto will grudgingly say, tip of the hat. Given tip the of... numbers are so big, what is what would the odds be? On Lewis being in a Ferrari for the first race of this season. This season, um, squillions to one. I, I, I... I'm yes, I think they probably are. Although, although you know, let's have a look at the testing times. They're testing in Barcelona as usual. Where are they? Uh, Bahrain. 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 A week after next. I, I'm. Um... I'm, I'm the bit that I'm really fascinated about is it if, if a bit of turmoil happens at Red Bull, will we see how? carefully managed Max is in that team. You know, there's a bit of instability there. Will we suddenly see the old Max, you know, that some of the temperamental stuff that harms his performances? Because that, that that's the only chink for me that for all his competitors, he was just, he was relentless last year. Yeah. So they must be sitting there thinking, cool, hopefully it gets a bit testy and there's a, you know, Helmet and, and Christian have a fight outside the pits and someone pisses in his seat and they have a right old ding dong and then he's, he's slowing in FP1, because otherwise it does look like Max is going to run away with it again, doesn't it, sadly? Yeah. Max but, to Mercedes in 2025. That'd be good, wouldn't it? That yeah. Would, that was, that, wasn't there that lovely story about him and his family going to rent Portimao Circuit? And he got to the airport to get in his rental car, which happened to be a, a new Mercedes sports car, and they wouldn't give it to him because he was too young for the interest. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, I so, have a problem sometimes. Uh, that's because you look so youthful. Uh, right, we're moving on to our two-car garage, which today is posed by Greg Dickens. And my eyesight is deteriorating at a speed. Wait there. Let me get some glasses. Here we go. These tortoiseshell numbers are, um, are not mine. Here we go. You're a successful northern business owner with significant disposable income and an irrational dislike of Porsche. Dear me, Greg, come on. You're looking for two nearly new cars. So you're, so you're acutely aware of how hard money is to earn. Uh, you won't needlessly overpay for a car that is superior to the alternative, but not by such a margin that it's worth the price premium. Case in point, a Singer DLS is a better car than a normal Singer, but not four times better, Neil Clifford. Budget is irrelevant, but relative value is. If it's expensive, it must represent something tangibly superior to cheaper alternatives. Car one. 
has to be a fast convertible road car that you can enjoy a Sunday blast in while still looking good pulling up outside a fancy restaurant. It must be comfortable for the wife or the husband. Car two, a track-focused supercar to show all those damned GT3s up on track. I fear Greg wasn't given his allocation for a 992ST. Now, uh, <laughs> no one was. <laughs> let's let's move on. We better get through these fairly quickly. I'm going to go with Edward Lovett first. Well, for my convertible, I think I'm going to go for an Aston Martin DBS 770, one of these last run-out versions. And I'm sure as a nearly, nearly new one of those, you'll get some discount off list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a handsome looking car, that is. Yeah. Handsome looking car. I'm and I think to choose a different car, you utter bastard. Love it. Right. Carry say, on. Say, say that again. I'm having to choose a different convertible okay. now. Oh, I did on. quite well there, did I? You did. And then I think for the track focus car to beat the GT3s, I'm guessing he's talking about a Porsche GT3 that he drove there. I think I'm going to have to go for a Mercedes AMG GT GT3. I'm not going to have a road car. I'm going to have a proper GT3 race car because really the best way to destroy the competitors on a track day is turn up in a proper GT3 car. Yeah. Yeah. Tell you what, that's faultless. That's the best two cars you've chosen in a long, long time. I've nothing. Well, thank you very much. I've obviously been with you for a week and a half, so I've taken all your greatness. (laughs) There you you go, Edward. Um, uh, Manish. I looked at this as one of the most contradictory two-car garages I've ever read. Mm. Parsimonious northern businessman doesn't want to spend money, doesn't like Porsches, but likes racing on a track day and has wipes. So this is clearly a bloke from Pudsey who's the sole sari importer from Pakistan, isn't it? That's who this is, right? (laughs) And he's got his money. So I think, I think he doesn't spend it. And the one thing we know about all South Asians like me is we love our Mercedes. We love our Mercedes. And I think he's not going to buy a new one. I think he's going to buy an R107 300 SL or a 350 SL. He'll get a low mileage one. It will look great. He can pull up to the Balti house with his wife and it will all just be absolutely perfect. Road car, he's not going to... I mean, his his track car, he's not going to be able to handle a vicious beast like a, a Mercedes track car, a GT. These are dreams, okay? What he's going to do is he's going to find a heavily discounted Exige, three, the six-cylinder, 350-horsepower baby. It's nice and light. As, as Chris Cooper pointed out to me, almost impossible to skid that car. Would not pick that car. Just nicely balanced. Probably 50,000 pounds. He'll get it down to 45, and that will be his car. And if he can get it in fluorescent pink, that would be absolutely ideal. We'll go with the sorry shop. So that's what the man's going to do. Uh, I like it. I have to take issue with the choice of the SL because I think it's a beautiful car. But the first word of that description was fast. And having driven a 300 SL 109, they're not, sorry, 107, they're not fast. But we'll let you have it because they're beautiful cars. Neil Clifford, where are you going? Right, I'm going, um, <clears throat> I think probably the coolest best to drive nearly new convertible if you've got limitless money 
and you don't want to lose money because they will go up in value, continue to go up in value, is a 458 Speciali Aperta. Because I just think it does everything. It's a Swiss Army knife. You've got those um, bumpy road button for the wife. It's a hard top, so it's not... Um, it's lovely and warm when it's raining and it's cold, but you can take the roof off. It sounds magnificent. You're probably going to make money. You're a Yorkshireman. You don't want to lose a pound. So I think 458 Speciali Aperta. And you know what? He's so smart and he's thought this through. He doesn't need another car for the track. <laughs> so he's actually just going to have one car and save him <laughs> another yeah, 250 grand. So he's just going to have a 458 Speciali Aperta, the same one for the track, and he will look super smart and super cool. Neil Clifford, do you know anyone that has such a car? I do, and he has a lot of silly hats. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Cooper. So I think the important bit here was his irrational dislike of Porsche. So the track focus supercar, he wants something that's a good value, must represent something tangibly superior. I think he'd go for 720S McLaren. Yeah. yeah. 120, 130 grand right now. There's one that Cameron found, seven years old, 7,000 miles, performance version. Um, I they, mean, are just, rocket. they are rockets on a, on a circuit. They are that would just, yeah. they'd all, all, all the all the GT3s would just go wibble. Yeah. Wibble. Yeah. Um, fast convertible road car. That's a really interesting one. So Cameron and Finn found for me, I don't know how they found this. I think that maybe they thought I'd be interested. They found a, an Aventador 700, uh, yeah, 700 Roadster. 2015, 30,000 miles, 168 grand. I thought that was a lot of car for the money. Yeah. But actually the one we went for was another one they found. And I've sort of looked at this already myself. Um, at the SL shop, there is an SL60 for sale. Ah. Not silver with blue, is it? No, it's blue with beige. Um, and I think that... Still not 40 grand, that car, Neil. It's a 129, 53,000 at the moment. 45 to the right buyer, I reckon. So I think that would be excellent value it would satisfy his Porsche frustration and the SL60 would be comfortable for his wife. Yeah. His partner. Yeah. Um, I've had to readjust about seven times here on the hoof because you've all chosen most of the cars that I wanted to choose. Um, the irrational hatred of Porsche is interesting because it, if you're so close to the Porsche... I do think to myself, what's going to make you happy? What are you, you does it mean you're anti-German? We so just made him happy. The fast road convertible for me. Every time I look at the big Bentleys and the Ferraris and all the other stuff, I always think back to the car that I enjoyed most: convertible motoring, and it's those bloody SL sixty threes from two thousand and nine that I've chosen about six times. <laughs> So yeah, I had that on my list as well. Having another one because it's the best convertible I've ever used. It's just a yeah. fantastic car. My, the only thing that I would, I might add, is I've got. I'm a total sucker for these Targa 911s. I just think they look magnificent. So maybe a Targa, but but yeah, it's that SL. Thirty grand. I mean, I'm not wasting. I'm, I'm a northerner here. I'm being parsimonious. I imagine I'm the boat that founded Morrison's by the description. He he was worth about seven hundred million and still used to eat a plank of wood every night, didn't he? <laughs> Occasionally treats himself to a glass of water. <laughs> um, 
But the track car is, is interesting because you think you're going to turn up and beat the Porsche. You might do for a lap, but the bloke in the Porsche is going to drive it home. You're going home on a low loader, probably. <laughs> um, so you've either got to go really, really fast and impress everyone before you go on the low loader, or you need something similarly reliable. And the only car I know that really takes the punishment that one and goes that fast is the AMG GTR, the one with the big wing, not the Black Series, which is silly. Yeah. The one that was launched in that sort of metallic green colour and has yeah. a great, great, great value car. And if you drive them well, are as, they're as fast as a GT3. Mm. Um, so that's my choice. Uh, but I have Good to choice. say, mine, mine were weaker than yours, all of you. Um, uh, anyone like to offer some music before we say goodbye to our troops? I would, yeah. Okay, Edward, you really, you're really so keen. So let's go with you. Uh, I'm, re I'm really so keen. But there, there's a song that's going wild on social media at the moment. And it's called Dance You Out of My Head by a woman called Kat Janice, who very unfortunately has been diagnosed with cancer. Oh, dear. And, uh, and it's terminal. And all the, this is the only song I think she's released. And wow. all the proceeds will be going to her seven-year-old son. Wow. So okay, go listen to it. And it. Go listen to it because it's an incredible song anyway. But all of you are listening. Go download it. Yeah. Okay, that's a solid endorsement. Uh, Neil Clifford. I don't like Mondays, the Boomtown Rats. If you yeah. work, if you work in retail, it sort of resonates. Lucky it's, it's Tuesday. It's a great track. Or yeah. Wednesday, whatever day. Yeah. Um, Manish, what are we going to go for? I don't know if you guys saw the Grammys, but um, Tracy Chapman appeared. Yes. Uh, for the first time, and she sang with Luke Combs, so Fast Car, but the version on the Grammys, it is un unbelievable. Need to watch Find that. it on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Um, cool. uh, Chris, Chris Cooper. Celine Dion was there as well, wasn't she? She presented the awards Taylor Swift Taylor. has just done. Yeah. It was the, the Grammys of, uh, of uh, female singers. It was amazing. Um, it's hard. None of us can beat what Edward said. We must. Uh, it's a really, really important um, thing you shared, Edward. Um, what I did have it in my mind about twenty years ago, there was a song by DB Boulevard called yes. "Another Point of View." It's just the nicest song to listen as you're just driving along the road, whether in your your new Alpine A110, Neil, or Manish. Could be an Alpine A110 for you as well, if not a 456. So DB Boulevard, another point of view, lovely song to drive to. Um, I got in a car yesterday uh, and was playing with the hi-fi and I got the settings uh, going quite well. Uh, my son has just passed his driving test. Oh, congrats. And um, and it's this car's got some subwoofers in it because why wouldn't you have a subwoofers in your car as a young kid? Um, and, a, and a pop song popular music song came on that I think is just the best. I think pop songs are so clever. And this is, and I, I defy anyone to put this one in a car and not just have their day brightened. It's Holiday by Madonna. It's an oh, absolutely oh. fantastic tune. Yeah, love that. Just Mega. beautifully produced. It's happy. And it just, I was tapping the steering wheel in a couple of minutes. And that's what I, I seek music to make me tap the steering wheel. I like yeah. that. Um, thank you for joining us. We will never, ever attempt to pre-record a podcast if Lewis <laughs> is about to make the most seismic move in F1 history. Uh, we apologise for that. But thank you for joining us. 
for episode 51. We look forward to having you for episode 52 next week. Thank you to my fellow co-hosts, Manish Pandey, Neil Clifford, Chris Cooper, Edward Lovett, and Johnny, who was in his pants. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.